Welcome to the Battery Technology Podcast, sponsored by Munters, experts in climate control systems for safe, high-quality battery cell production and R&D, delivering stable, low dew point conditions whilst minimising energy use. Episode 16, how digital data is streamlining the interface between battery design and manufacturing. There's a lot going on in the battery development world. We hear about the latest chemistry breakthroughs with considerable regularity. But in this episode, we take a further step down the value chain and look at how developing a successful interface between design and manufacturing will be a critical determinant of success or failure. So we take a deep dive into digitalization, how the digital enterprise approach is revolutionizing the link between different parts of the value chain, enabling the creation of smart battery manufacturing processes and beyond. I'm joined by Puneet Sinha, Senior Director of Batteries at Siemens Digital Industries Software to explore how digitalization is providing opportunities to connect each step in the battery value chain. I am very pleased indeed to be joined by Puneet Sinha. Puneet is the Senior Director of Battery Industry for Siemens Digital Industries Software based in Dallas in in the USA. So a very, very warm welcome to the Battery Technology Podcast, Puneet. Thanks for having me, Ken. There's a lot to talk through. I've been looking forward to doing this episode for a while and I'm an old manufacturing man. So uh, I've run a lot of factories. And so when we start to talk about design and development and the interface with manufacturing, music to my ears. So I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. Good place to start is to kind of define some of the phases that we're going to be talking about in this conversation. So as I see it, though I'm open to be corrected, I kind of see design and development phase, manufacturing phase, kind of post-manufacturing phase where you're actually maybe taking data from from in-service use, all the way to end-of-life phase and recycling and all those good things. Have I got that about right, or do Siemens define that in a slightly different way? Those are right. The way we say it, uh, we look at battery supply chain from the mining stage, right? You have to go get the lithium mined and processed, and then have what we call material development, so cathode active material, anode active material, electrolyte, the development of these materials and chemistries. And then when you have those materials, then you get to the cell. You know, that's where the you know, cell design uh, and how it will perform and, and testing and make sure the thing is ready and do the same for pack. Right? And then you get into the manufacturing, cell manufacturing and pack manufacturing afterwards. And then, as you said, it's a deployment of that battery in a system. And that system can be a car, an airplane, something go- that goes in our pockets. And and then absolutely the end of life. And there companies have to decide, are they going to recycle, reuse, and the activities that come with it. I guess another good place just to touch on before we get into the, the real meat of this conversation is your background, Panit, and, and maybe a little bit more about the work that Siemens Digital Industries Software are, are also doing in this space, and then we can really get into the detail. My background is, I, by training, I'm a mechanical engineer. 
It has been 15 years since I have come in the workforce. I have been working on batteries and fuel cells and these advanced uh, propulsion technologies. I started my journey with General Motors. There I was uh, working in, in this R&D division for fuel cells development. And then around 2008 timeframe, uh, GM decided to pivot more on the battery side. So that's when I got involved with the battery research and development, supplier interactions, and looking at the new technologies that GM was looking to bring in for their electric vehicles. Um, I was there for five years. And after that, I had a startup uh, where I was, and this was 2012 timeframe. That time, battery development was more like a black art. It was not democratized. It was very heavily driven by experience. So what my company was looking to do is how we can democratize it through the use of first principle-based simulations um, so that companies who do not have the experience of battery manufacturing or they are, who are even not trying to get into battery manufacturing, but they have to uh, consume those batteries in their systems, they can have understanding of what they are dealing with. And then at the startup, I, my, my team also ended up developing a new battery technology, new design changes that can lead to you know, fast charging battery that can um, perform well. After that startup, um, I joined Mentor Graphics and M Mentor was acquired by Siemens. And th th that has led to me the role that I am in. Let's start, if we may, at the kind of design phase. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be a good idea just to define perhaps some of the major design challenges involved in battery design. You know, what are designers trying to achieve, what they're trying to optimize, what they're trying to maximize. So let's let's get that defined and then we can yeah. go from there. So before I answer that question, I, I want to preface it with what is why the design and manufacturing of battery is that big of a challenge, right? So, and, and at the fundamental level, the reason in, that, that drives this is the battery physics is, is very different and that involves a lot of domains, chemistry, electrical, electronics, mechanical, software. All of these domains are heavily interacting in the world of battery. These interactions were either very weak or many times not present when you look into the world of IC engine. And that is at the center of why battery engineering manufacturing has been so difficult even for the companies who have been doing the large scale uh, development of other propulsion technologies like IC engine. Because in the IC engine world, you can, it was a very mechanical system. Okay, you have, you start with mechanical and you can do a lot of those development in, in, in little bit silos and or a little bit independently and then collect everything at the end. Batteries, that's not possible. You, you change even a minor thing in, in the chemistry. It has significant implications of or it can have significant implications on either performance or life or safety of, of a battery. Any small change up front, upstream or downstream from material to how it, it is to be integrated in a pack has significant implication on safety, performance, life. So from the design perspective, cell engineers have to account for all of them. That's a big challenge, especially if companies are looking to use, let's say, traditional engineering approach wherein 
And if I have to simplify that, it is, hey, you build something, you test some, test that. If it works fine, if not, then you're going to break it and, and find what didn't go well and repeat the process. Right? Very, uh, a very testing-heavy approach. With all these complexities of all these different interfaces which are need to work in, in order for the whole process to work, on top of that, of course, as well, there's a political catalyst in the sense of the industry is being pushed to develop. The world has made the decision that we're going a we're going EV, and uh, politically, that seems to be, that seems to be the decided strategy. And therefore, on top of all these complications, we've also got this political impulse that is pushing this development uh, as rapidly as it possibly can as well. Yeah. So. Uh... What I was referring to is like, in a, if you remove the regulatory environment or a government policy, this is like whether or not government policies or regulations are supporting it or they are neutral or opposing that, those are the challenges that companies have to deal with. Right? On top of it, yes, there are regulatory implications starts coming in, right? And in, in some ways, you can say they are helping um, support the, this uh, very rapidly evolving um, industry um, and the very rap rapidly evolving technology and in s some cases you can say yes they are pushing also right so yes I mean a regulatory environment is definitely a you know promoting the 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 need to, to innovate fast the traditional engineering manufacturing practices that were developed and perfected for IC engine world right um, they are not applicable very well to battery world because of the reasons I mentioned. And the fact that there is a race to you know get the batteries is, you know, um, because of the regulations and, and the growing market demand, you have a perfect storm of where you need to, you know, there's a need for speed, but it's still you have to make sure that the quality of the product is right. You know, batteries, there are no uh, safety events. And, and all the implications that come with it while making sure that the product is commercially viable. That means you have to produce it large scale in a cost-effective way. So, so it's, a, it's a trifecta of uh, issues that come together and that's what companies are dealing with. Something else just to throw into the mix there before we move on is this kind of lack of standardization. You know, the, the old industries had 200 years to develop their standards and everybody yeah. kind of, fits around those standards. Uh, this, by comparison, is the Wild West in the sense of the, the lack of standardization. Uh, I mean, to what degree does the lack of standardization also complicate things for designers and manufacturers? You are right. I mean, the compared to other industries, right? Um, as I said, because they had many, many years to perfect the, the component and, and the design and manufacturing, they have more established standards. In the world of batteries, they are still evolving. Simple thing as, you know, you can find batteries, battery cell in three different primary shapes. Either it's going to be cylindrical, it's going to be a pouch or a prismatic cell, which is, you know, in, in a hard case. Um, there is no standardization that okay, it, it, one format of cell is preferred over others. Every All these three, three formats, come with their advantages and disadvantages. So if, if you go into a shoe of a cell supplier who is 
working with three different system integrators that can be an automaker or electric VTOL company or, or a consumer electronics. They may have preference of what kind of cell format they want to work with. So that means a cell supplier has to deal with three different types of cell designs uh, and associated manufacturing complexities that come with them. So it is a lot of challenge. There's a lot of challenges for cell suppliers, right? Uh, and the, the, this issue is not just limited to this format of the cell, but you know there are a lot of issues then afterwards that also come in. How you're going to manufacture it? How you're going to integrate the, those cells in a pack? So there is definitely lack of standardization. I call it more of a we are still in a rapidly evolving technology stage. Uh, we are not there yet in terms of standardization the way you can think of there are in the IC engine world, um, but some of the you know, regulations that are coming like battery passport, um, you know, the, the, and there are certain adoption of automotive standards. Like, I mean, right now, if you think one of the biggest uh, draw on batteries is number one is electric vehicles. Right? Number two is you can say grid energy storage. <clears throat> so a lot of the automotive standards automatically start supplying to battery by the fact that you know they they are going in in the electric vehicle so as an example when you look look at embedded softwares right so like ecus there are in electric vehicle and there are many many ecus they all have to abide by certain standards it's called autosar uh, battery pack uh, and sometimes people don't realize battery pack is not just collection of cells uh, there are there are also wires there are also uh, battery management system which is essentially the brain of battery that is going to monitor every cell and that the function of that is critical to ensure the safe operation of a battery pack right? and that that has that electronic electronics has you know all those softwares in there so that ecu which is in the case of batteries called battery management system also need to abide by those standards for automotive Right. So those standards that are there for automotive, they start applying to battery as well. Um, in the same way on the quality side, it, you know, some of the automotive standards starts coming into place. So uh, it's not to say that this, there are no standards, but it's still there, there are a lot of variables, a lot of design options, and that definitely uh, makes it challenging both for the end system integrator because they have to define what kind of battery they would like to have, what kind of layout, what kind of format, you know, that will work for their system. And then cell suppliers who have to, who are working with different companies or their end customers, they have to handle all of those complexities that come with it. Thanks for listening to the Battery Technology Podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. And we promise you lots more content coming up regularly over the next few months. Listener numbers amongst battery professionals around the world are growing rapidly. So if you'd like to know more about how to advertise on the podcast, our contact details, you'll find them in the show notes. And of course, if you do get the opportunity to leave a review or subscribe, we'd be very grateful. It allows other people to discover the Battery Technology Podcast. So let's get back to the conversation. One of the things I want to move on to and understand is this concept of digitalization and how digitalization is revolutionizing both design and the interface with manufacturing. Fundamentally, battery 
requires a very close interaction across these domains electrical electronics mechanical um, software chemistry you can come up with a great new chemistry and there are uh, a lot of news you you will find on a weekly basis hey the new battery chemistry breakthrough has come that will give you 1000 miles of range on on one charge i know there are a lot of researchers a lot of people have worked really hard to come up with those material breakthroughs but look at the um success rate of those materials making it to the commercialization the percentage is really low and the reason is just because you have perfect material let's say doesn't mean the the battery th that you will make or the cell that you will make with that chemistry is something that you can that you can make the perfect cell just because you have perfect chemistry and and that uh, in order to deal with these very complex at the micro scale level interactions is very very difficult to do it through the you know okay i'm going to make uh, you know 10 by 10 doe and do a lot of testing and find out right and it slows down things it it uh, always have risk of over engineering and you're going to miss a lot of things right and to help people look into this complex world digitalization is a great way of doing that because there you can look into let's say if you can create a comprehensive digital twin that's where siemens we put a lot of efforts and where you can uh, where engineers can look into what, how the chemistry interacts with the electrical behavior how the software will come into play what are the thermal aspects and structural aspects that, that they need to deal with a lot of those issues can be front loaded right? you yeah. still have to do the testing but the a lot of the variables you can evaluate much easily right for just in the engineering side but this digitalization is not just about engineering of a battery or design of a battery it this becomes even more critical when you are going to manufacture and um, i'm again going to draw an analogy of, uh, for your audience battery cell manufacturing is exactly like baking of a cake you're going to take couple of you know ingredients you're going to mix it you know uh, once you have the goo ready uh, then you're going to spread it um, in different layers let's say you are making a three layer cake when those layers are are spread out you're going to take the cake and put everything else and then you're going to go put it in an oven bake the cake cake is ready that recipe perhaps is same for you and me we both can have the same recipe but i'm pretty sure if if i am an amateur cook the cake that i will bake with the same recipe versus let's say you who is a uh, experienced baker the outcome will be very different right and just because uh, you know every you know people know companies know how to make what is the process of making cells but that does just because they know exactly the same process uh, or how to do that doesn't mean they are going to produce battery cells which are of the same quality the difference between in your analogy an amateur cook and an experienced chef is is kind of experience really but yeah. it's I'm sure that chef would say it's very difficult to define that experience in a very specific way that can be given to the amateur yes, cook exactly. and say actually do this and and then you'll have a professional quality cake. Does digitalization allow for that yeah. experience to be to be defined in a way that is becomes usable in the design for manufacturing phase? exactly exactly that that's that's exactly what uh, the the power of digital transformation is that 
you know, as you said, why a expert baker will make a better cake than me, even though we are following the same recipes, because he has the best practices of doing it based and that has manifested in his experience, right? Um, in the through the digital transformation, what Siemens and we are looking to bring out is how that those best practices can be made available and in decoupled with ex experience. So that best practices, so you have different steps of manufacturing. As I said, you're gonna mix something, you're gonna coat it, or and, and then go and so and so forth. Um, every step, are you can you measure certain parameters? Are you using certain uh, best practices to ensure that every every step is is going the way it needs to be, rather than you know you're going through and finding the end result whether it is good or not, right? So there's a lot of best practices that can be quantified and captured, uh, not just on the manufacturing floor, but also what do you need to manufacture? So so again, you have a bill of material. You say this is the design, this is the bill of material, bill of process, and you're gonna take this. So again, right. In, with the digital transformation, digitalization, you you connect. Once you have the design complete, you have a seamless connect connection of that with the operation side, manufacturing side. One can build in the quality in the in the whole way at the, every step, rather than leaving it at the end and being binary whether something is good or bad. Right? Every step you have a quality gates and data that you are bringing out and, and best practice that you are implementing, and that allows companies to to have a more scalable, repeatable ways of doing manufacturing and having a framework on which they can do continuous improvement. To give you an idea, um, when we talk to customers, there are a couple of things that, that many times come out. One is when somebody says, okay, I have to go and put a large factory, giga factory. Right? If you look at uh, the, some of the examples also in, in the real world, it takes sometimes close to what, like four years from the time they say, okay, we are going to produce it, build a factory to the factory getting ready to coming to operational. It's too long of a time, four years in the battery world, technology is changing, the whole landscape can change, right? How you can shorten that? In order to shorten that, can uh, companies saying, can, can I create a digital twin of my factory? Know exactly mm -hmm. what I'm going to put where so that I'm not tweaking things when on the factory floor. It adds time, it adds cost, puts a lot more risk, right? Then the other data also we see when we interact with customers is scrap rate is really high in, in the case of battery. For a new production, if a, a, new, a company who is just starting production, scrap rate can be 40% can be or higher. Or even for a, a stable production, well-running factory, it still can be 10 to 15%. That's a, a huge scrap rate for a cost-effective uh, manufacturing at a large scale. And now, a word from a sponsor. As you know, drying and dry room wolf down about 80% of battery manufacturing's energy consumption. Get smart, go green, and select Visala's dew point measurements for your critical, ultra-dry operations. Visit visala.com slash battery. It's, it's fantastic to have a digital representation of both design and manufacturing. It enables you to do all the kind of what-if scenarios, mm -hmm. you know, on your laptops. But it all depends on the accuracy that that system mimics real yeah. life. 
if it doesn't mimic real life accurately, actually, you know, you're not gaining anything because when you come to do it in real life, it's not like it was on the model. So how do you ensure Siemens that the models that you're creating are validated so that they are representative of real life? Great question. So you are taking me to the very critical point from Siemens side there that we emphasize. That is, uh, when people think of digital transformation or digital thread, they only think of digital world. As you said, hey, you can create digital representation of a cell or a pack or a factory. So what? Right? You still have to go and do the actual work in a real world. So how is the digital real world getting connected? Right. So the digital transformation is not complete unless you can connect the real and the and the digital world. Of course, you need to have the, the digital twin, but then once the, you know, how you connect with, with the actual factory operation. So that's where we, from our, when we talk about digital threads or digital transformation, it is about digital twin. There are three elements, digital twin, automation technologies, and, and the third is IoT. With digital twin, you can create the ideal uh, representation of what needs to happen, how you can do it ideally. Real world is not ideal. So when, and that's where when you put the the you know with automation technologies is like in a in a in case of factory you have factory automation technologies and PLCs there's a lot of data coming out of how that data that is coming out in factory can be connected with the actual uh, with, with the digital twins so that digital twins are learning that that okay this is how factory operation is happening this is how the best practice should be implemented right in a real world sense right and so that's why it is very critical companies who are looking to go and accelerate their innovation and make sure they can produce batteries at large scale cost effectively. And they have to adopt the digital twins so that they can innovate faster. But to manifest that promise, they have to connect digital with the physical world. And that's where the digital twin connected with software-based automation and data in AI starts coming all together. So those are the three elements you need for the digital transformation. Is a brilliant explanation of that. So I'm, I'm glad I asked that question. I mean, you would have seen the implementation of digitalization within uh, manufacturing facilities. Uh, what are the problems that digitalization can cause? I mean, are there any issues that you see recurring that clients and companies might want to be aware of uh, going into that process of digitalization? Digitalization is a journey. It says it's it's not a you know you you flip a switch and and companies get there. We we talk about the you can say five stages of digital transformation maturity. So it's a you configure. So that's where you you so uh, it's the first stage where rather than taking the paper based in, uh, information Excel based information around. You start configuring your systems, whether it's the you know product lifecycle management, PLM system, or, other, or how the data is going to flow. So having the configuration, right? then you start connecting the system. So as I said, in the world of battery, you have all of these domains, right? Companies have two options. Either they find people who are expert in all of those domains, and there are very few people who can be expert in all of those domains, or help um, the experts in those domains connect better collaborate better. So that's the second stage. That's where the digital twin comes in, how the design engineer, manufacturing engineer, quality engineer can connect and, and have, have a collaborator. That's what we call connect stage. And then when you connect and then you come to automation stage and that's where can you automate a lot of the, where there's a design variation, 
right? So you have to automate through that. Okay, what is the right design for my, so that the, the data that is coming out of from those PLCs, uh, you know, how the machine needs to be controlled that is driven by the software and, and the, what is happening on the manufacturing floor. So that's the example that I was giving before. And from after automation, then you bring the closed loop optimization. So, you know, what you're producing, you're learning some lessons from it, how it can feed back to the engineering side or design side, R&D side, right? So that there's a closed loop. It's not that, okay, you design something and you threw it over the wall for manufacturing and manufacturing guys figure it out and, and the product goes out, right? It, it happens, but again, you need to capture the knowledge and best practice that you can feed back in the next cycle, you can iterate faster and better, right? So those are the five stages of uh, digital transformation maturity we talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, we we look at where the companies are and then how we can help them to take that journey with us uh, with, with the, those three elements of, of three pillars that we bring, digital twin, software-based automation, and data and AI. Right, that makes a lot of sense. So if we were having this conversation five years down the track, what would we have seen developmentally from now to then in terms of this whole world of visualization? I have absolutely no doubt. You know, this is the way uh, organizations are, go are going to be strategically developing their facilities. Yeah. But, yeah. but how how will that be different going forward? Just give people a, a glimpse into the future of yeah. digitalization. Great question. Um, I will give you Ken what I hope uh, happens. What uh, you know, Siemens is working tirelessly towards. Uh, this is the vision we are hoping will manifest in next five years. We believe that with the with our digital transformation technologies, companies can come up with their new chemistries faster. Right now, there is like a okay, test, test, test. Uh, you know, uh, use of data, use of AI. Right. Uh, you know, and and even at the material innovation stage, they can see okay, if I make this material, what is the implication of that downstream? So that they are not just creating material in a silo. Number two. I believe uh, companies can can be a lot more agile in the kind of cell and pack designs that they, they are going to come out. And uh, for example, when people think of increasing energy in a battery, of course, the first thing is, hey, come up with a better material chemistry, right? But there are a lot of things that can be done to with the same chemistry, squeezing out additional 15, 20% of energy. That's, that's a big number, right? Uh, so how to get to those optimizations by at, at the pack level right how what you can do in the cell design changes at the pack how you when you how you assemble the cell how you cool the cell what are the things that you can optimize to squeeze that 15 20 percent extra for a given chemistry third i would like the overall scrap rate will start coming down drastically i think that's that's the thing that you know uh, the whole smart manufacturing that we are uh, working towards and working with our customer that's what it is aimed at so to improve the quality and reduce the scrap rate. And the uh, fourth thing that I'm pretty passionate that I believe will happen is there will be more traceability in the supply chain right now. And that is, that is an area where uh, regulations will be a tremendous forcing functions, and they are, right? So there is already conversation starting on bringing that traceability across the supply chain through battery passport. Um, and those things will start taking shape in, in the next five years. Well, that's a fantastic place to leave this conversation. I could have carried on 
for another hour, I think. So it's been a wonderful introduction, if you like, to the world of digitalization and how it's been able to impact and is impacting the strategic decisions being made in terms of design and manufacturing within the battery sector. So I'm really grateful for that, Panit. Thank you so much for joining us on the Battery Technology Podcast. It's been a real pleasure for me. Thanks for having me, Ken. I really appreciated you inviting me and enjoyed our conversation. The Battery Technology Podcast is a copyrighted GSE Media Limited production. For more details of how to reach us, you'll find our contact details in the show notes or at our website, www.batterytechnologypodcast.com.